Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good day to you all and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I welcome you to our broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located at 40283 Wolf Road in Caledonia, Mississippi. And I also welcome you on behalf of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road near Ackerman, Mississippi, and her beloved pastor, Elder David Wise. We thank you for joining us. We encourage you to go to gospel-of-grace.com. Many resources there and contact us via that website. We would really love to hear some feedback from you. It would be greatly encouraging to us in our efforts uh, in this ministry for Christ. We invite you to come to our churches, both Sulphur Springs and Macedonia, meet at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. And we also meet at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening at the La Quinta Inn Conference Room in Starkville, Mississippi, just near the Mississippi State University campus, and we hope that you'll come and join us. If you will, uh, I would like to take a moment before we enter into the message this morning to go to the Lord in prayer, and I hope wherever you are uh, that you'll be able to join me in our meditation toward the Lord right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray unto you, thanking you that you are so good and gracious and kind and wonderful. And Lord God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. We thank you for the fellowship of your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, we love you, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And dear Lord, we ask that you would use us and bless us. We beg that you would help this time together today to learn from thy word. Lord, there are very many hearts that have been broken in America lately. We know that there have been storms that have ravaged and killed many people. We know there's a young man up in Michigan who slew people at his school we know that there is one who drove a vehicle through a crowd in Wisconsin. Lord God, we just hear about these things and they just grieve our hearts. Dear Heavenly Father, we know this is sin and wickedness abounding in this world. And Lord God, we thank you that you've given us a hope in Jesus Christ. And we beg, Lord, that you would help us to help others. There are so many out there who are bitter and tired and hateful and spiteful. And Lord God, help us to be sacrificial in our love. Help us to condescend to men of low estate, Lord, to give a hand up and to help those in time of need in the name of Jesus Christ. And we beg, Lord, that you would bless our efforts here on the radio, in our churches, in our homes, at our workplaces, at the family reunions, or even in the line at Walmart. Lord God, help us to be witnesses in the name of Jesus Christ. We beg these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Right after this hymn, we'll be back with today's message.
Thank you so much for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast. Again, I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I thank you for joining me today. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. And for context's sake, we'll read a few of the verses as we have addressed in the last two messages on this series regarding this account of Abraham's command, of the command to Abraham, excuse me, to offer his son Isaac upon Mount Moriah as an offering unto God. And we begin with verse one, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, in the last two messages devoted to this chapter, we felt it necessary to establish scripturally for you the notion and the fact, the truth that God is sovereign. Now, again, it seems very unpleasant to us to think about God commanding Abraham to go and to kill his own beloved son, to the honor and the glory of God. But friends, first, we need to realize that if you've read the chapter, you know that it didn't happen that way. But even if it had, my friends, I'll tell you, God is the one who gives life and God has all right to dispose of it in the way that he sees fit. And it still makes him righteous. See, we as mankind do not have that right. We are held by the moral laws which God has laid forth and how we deal with other men. We are not to take the innocent life and any life that is to be taken in a way of execution or warfare should be in accord with God's word. So we don't have that right to dispose of men's lives any way we see fit. No, we are morally obligated. But yet, my friends, God is sovereign and had Abraham actually plunged that knife into his son. Friends, I want you to know something. Isaac would have been greatly spared from multiple moments, millions of seconds of living in a sinful nature, of unpure thoughts sinning against God, of making many mistakes, of suffering many heartaches, of being tempted in this world. He would have immediately awakened in the presence of his Lord in heaven because he was a child of God. What a mercy that would have been. How many times do we stop and say, oh Lord, I do appreciate the life that you have given me, but if I could just be relinquished of it right now and come home to be with thee, what a mercy it would be. Friends, when we look at things from a heavenly perspective and according to the word of God, it makes sense a lot of these things that we read that would make no sense when we're trying to interpret them through a carnal, worldly mindset. Now, having laid that foundation, we carry on. Verse three, and Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto a place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. What significance does that statement have? It has all the significance in the world. One of the most significant statements in the word of God, certainly in the Old Testament, but I would say in the word of God as a whole. Here, Abraham, as the example of our father of faith, is exercising such sublime, extreme faith in his God. 
the God who had chosen him, the God who had blessed him, and the God who had led him forth and had been faithful to him. He is faithful unto God because here he says, yes, I and the lad are going up. Now the servants didn't know that Abraham was to plunge a knife into his son and then offer him for a burnt sacrifice unto God. That was beheld from them. Only Abraham knew that information. But yet he said, though we're going up, both of us shall return. How could he have such confidence that God was going to do that? God was going to actually resurrect Isaac. Yes, Isaac is a wonderful picture in the Old Testament of the biblical doctrine and truth of the resurrection from the dead. We see this account referenced in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. During that very well-known chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, where faith is highlighted, and uh, we go to verse 17, and we read, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. You see, Abraham had such trust in the promises that God had made unto him. Because remember, God had promised that it would be of Isaac, that the seed would be counted in Isaac, not in Ishmael. So all the promises that he had made regarding the fruit of Sarah's womb and the carrying on of covenant blessings from generation to generation, that all the families of the earth would be blessed, that his family would be as the stars of heaven, the sands of the sea. All of those promises rested in that one lad, Isaac. And so therefore, Abraham, knowing how faithful God is, knew that if he were to slay Isaac up on the top of Mount Moriah, then somehow God in his miraculous power would raise him again from the dead because God had promised and God would not fail. And those promises had to be fulfilled in the life of Isaac. You see, it said here, from whence he also received him in a figure. Notice Isaac as a picture in the Old Testament again of resurrection, life from the dead. Because you look at his very conception, the deadness of Sarah's womb and the deadness of the loins of Abraham, but yet from that came life, life from the dead. And then you fast forward to this account on the top of Mount Moriah, and there Isaac was as good as dead. He was under a death sentence, a command of God, and Abraham took him to the top of Mount Moriah with every intention to execute that order. But yet God uh, would raise him again from the dead if it was necessary. But my friends, we know certainly that Isaac, being under that death sentence, would wind up ultimately being spared of that death and he would receive life, as it were, from the dead. You see, Isaac is a wonderful Old Testament figure of life from the dead or the resurrection from the dead. So yes, Abraham had such wonderful devoted faith in the Jehovah God. Now, carrying on again in verse 6, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. Now remember the wood, it says earlier that he clave the wood. What is wood a symbol of? Wood is a symbol of that which is dead. Firewood is a symbol of that which is dead, that which is destined to be destroyed. 
and because of its deadness. You don't typically try to build a fire with green wood. You uh, don't typically try to light a living tree on fire. They will burn, but it, you know it's uh, very difficult. Here, wood is dead, it's dried, it's desiccated, and uh, as regarding life, it is worthless and just fit for being burned. So here is a picture of Isaac, his son, who's to be slain, according to the command of God, carrying dead weight upon his shoulders. He took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. Well, Isaac here carrying that dead wood, that deadness upon him was a picture of you and me, my friends, uh, a picture of man fallen in sin and doomed for death and destruction, as was Isaac in this account. He took the fire in his hands. See, Abraham had fire. Fire throughout the word of God is a picture of the uh, trying of God or the judgment of God. Our God is a consuming fire. It will be fire and brimstone rain down upon the wicked forevermore. So here he had fire, which is a figure of the fiery trying and judgment of God and a knife. And that knife was for execution for death, the execution according to law. In Romans chapter 13, uh, the question was asked of, uh, of authorities and governments, do they bear the sword in vain? You see, that sword was a symbol of execution according to judgment. So here we have Isaac, his son, carrying deadness upon him. Here we see the fire of judgment. We see the knife of execution and up the mountain they go. In verse eight, and uh, I'm sorry, verse seven, and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, my father, he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, and where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I just want to make one quick point here as a side point. Let me ask you something, parents, under the sound of my voice today. Do your children know what it is like to worship? Do your children know how to worship? Notice here, Isaac, he, some things he didn't know that day, but obviously he knew what was needed for the worship of God. Why? Because Abraham had shown him through action and teaching and example all of these years. He knew that if you were going to give a proper burnt offering unto God, there were certain elements that needed to be present. And I ask you, my friends, are we worshiping in such a way? Are we reading the word of God in such a way are we living in such a way? Showing our children, first and foremost, through our faithful example, that we will be at the house of God to worship, that we will set time aside to study the word of God at home, that we will take time apart to pray unto the God of glory, and that we will make special effort to go to the house of God to lift up holy hands and to worship him according to the word of God. Have you taught that to your children? Have you lived that before your children? And do your children know how to worship? Or do your children think that worship is just going to a little side room with a well-meaning lady who teaches them how to color and just gives them candy? Friends, the worship of Jesus Christ, according to the word of God, is family-centric. It is family-integrated. And I would encourage you, get those children out of that nursery, keep those children away from the coloring books, and take them into the house of God under the sound of the preaching of the gospel and teach them how to worship and how to behave in the house of God. 
You may say, well, my children are restless. My children make noise. Well, everyone knows that children are restless and they make noise. No one expects them to be uh, hermetically sealed. Nobody expects them to be as if silent in a vacuum. No, everyone expects children to be restless and to make some noise. But now that doesn't mean you're not supposed to teach your children that when they get too restless and too reckless and too noisy and they will not stop, then you take little Lord Fauntleroy out. Uh, side and you apply a little palm grease to his fat thigh or his little bottom, Oh, someone will say, oh, that's child abuse. No, it's not. It's loving your child by giving them discipline. Now, if the government wants to take my children and ruin them, that's their business. But as long as they were under my roof, they were disciplined according to the word of God with love and not with anger. But there were times when they had to be taught how to sit still and pay attention in the house of God. Children can sit still and pay some semblance of attention. And I'll tell you, they absorb more than you think they do. They can do it for an hour to an hour and a half in church. Believe you me, it's been done for 2,000 years. And there's no excuse for you, parent, not to teach your children how to do it. Again, don't expect them to be perfect. And I'll say this, any church members out there who would just snuff the air and roll your eyes at any children in church. Why are these children not in the nursery? These children are preventing me from having whole attention to the word of God that you need to repent and you need to show your love and your patience toward the future generations by being part of the solution and not part of the problem by not sending nasty notes and little comments about how rude the children were, or how busy the children were. Oh, they're just so rambunctious. Can't you do anything with them? No, be patient and be long-suffering and love your neighbor by loving their children and encouraging them and bringing their children to the house of God and showing them how to worship. Okay, I chased that rabbit long enough. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, so to speak. Uh, the, the point of all that was Abraham had shown Isaac how to worship. And I encourage you to do the same thing, disciple of Christ. He said, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, this is verse eight. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now let's look at verse eight, just a moment. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Well, when we look at that statement, it seems a little odd because we know that Abraham knew what he had to do when he got to the top of the mountain. But this verse, the way Abraham said this, seems very hopeful, doesn't it? It's strange. Well, at the very root of it, let's look at it in a prophetic sense. Here, Abraham was prophesying of what was going to take place hundreds and hundreds of years in the future and the coming of the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist pointed to Jesus Christ and said, the Lamb, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus was that Lamb. He's the Lamb. In other words, God provided himself. God the Son is all God, and he is the Lamb of God, was to uh, suffer the reproach and the pain and the agony and the death that was coming to each and every one of the elect family of God. So in a prophetic sense, it's a pointing directly to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But let's look at it from another perspective here. I believe Abraham in saying this, in this little hopeful uh, tone of this statement where he said, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. I believe Abraham was clinging to the mercy 
of God, the thoughts, his knowledge of the mercy of God, because the command that he had was arduous. It was very unsavory and unpleasant. The thought of going up and to take the life of his son, whom he loved very greatly. So yes, Abraham knew what was expected of him, what was commanded of him by God when he got to the top of the mountain. But my friends, Abraham also knew something else. Abraham also knew that God is good. We know that he knew that God was good because God had called him, saved him, pulled him out of Ur of the Chaldees, and had led him about. He knew that God was good uh, because, well, he had had the experience in Lot with Lot in Sodom. I mean, God had uh, allowed Abraham to lobby to lower the number of righteous men to be found in the city for the sparing of the city. And God was very gracious in saying, yes, if 10 righteous can be found in the city, the city will be spared. My friends, God is a gracious and a good God. Oh yes, he's a God of justice and of judgment and of wrath, but he is a God of love and of mercy. What a good God have we. I thank God he's not uh, the in his nature, just waiting to destroy us or to cause agony for us. No, he's a good God unto his people, unto his children. Abraham also knew that God is caring. Notice he had already, God had already spared Sarah from an Egyptian king and then later from King Abimelech when she would have been taken into the harems. And, and you know, if God would have suffered that to have happened, now true, uh, she couldn't have been in that situation for the continuing on of his covenant, but had she continued on in those harems, it would have been Abram's, Abraham's own fault because Abraham was lying. He was embellishing. He was not telling the truth and trying to protect himself through worldly means rather than leaning upon the covenant promise of God. And he told them, she let us tell them that you're my sister. Well, God intervened in both times and spared Sarah from that indignity. Notice how God spared Lot. Now, let me tell you something. Abraham uh, didn't have, wasn't deserving of being empowered by God to spare his nephew Lot and to save him from his bondage earlier in Genesis because Abraham was not even supposed to take Lot with him. God told him to leave behind all thy kindred in Ur of the Chaldees and to go to the land that he would tell him. But Abraham didn't do that. He carried Lot, his nephew, with him. But yet God was so caring that he spared Lot and his family from the destruction of Sodom. See, Abraham knew this. And Abraham also knew that God is faithful. He had promised Isaac. And though it took 25 long years of waiting, my friends, God is faithful in spite of the doubts and the fears, in spite of the foolishness of Abraham, because Abraham uh, craved to make uh, his steward, uh, Eliezer, I believe that was the steward, uh, his steward to be his, uh, in, uh, his heir. He also wanted Ishmael. He also begged the Lord for Ishmael to be his heir. But yet God had promised that the son of promise would be Isaac. And God is faithful and he kept his word. Abraham had seen these things. He knew what he had to do at the top, but thank God that's not all he knew. And friends, I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of things that we do in this life that get tiring. 
you know, witnessing when it's not, uh, you know, when it's not simple, when it's not convenient. Uh, for me, getting up to go and preach sermons to just two or three people and try to encourage them in the Lord, that's, that's kind of, sometimes that's a, that's a very tempting to say, oh, if I could just stay at home and rest, I'm so weary from the week. But you know what? We get up. And though we know the things ahead of us may not be the most pleasant to the flesh, yet, my friends, we also know that in following the Lord, they will be a blessing in the spirit. 100% of the time, that will bear fruit in your soul to do what the Lord has says, said. And so I'll tell you, while the world unravels around us, while governments get more and more despotic, while people become more and more wicked, more hateful, while more and more people fuss and fight and love carnality and violence, I'm telling you, and you look around and you think this world, what I see and know of this world is horrid. Thanks be unto God, my friends, we who have a hope in Jesus Christ know something far greater than those things. We know that God is in control. We know that God is good. We know that God is caring. And we know that God is faithful. Abraham knew it. And my friends, do you think your faith is any different than his? The exercise of it may be, but you know what changed that? You, choosing to trust in God. If you have the ability to trust in him, if you have faith in your heart, that came from the spirit of God. You're his child. You need to trust him, believe in him, serve him, confess his son, Jesus Christ, join his church and walk peacefully among the saints of God. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Oh, my friends, be a lively stone, not a stumbling block. Friends, I would encourage you today, let us seek after the faith of Abraham because the faith that God's implanted in you is the exact same faith. You can do it. I can do it. Now, I encourage you this week, go do it. Until we're able to speak to you again on such wonderful, noble subjects, I pray the Lord's blessings be upon you all. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast, entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace, 
Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace.